Welcome to this episode of Catchy Knowledge, where we want more than just fishing knowledge, we want catchy knowledge. Today our guest is my neighbor Tim. Tim knows a lot about a lot of stuff. He knows about hunting, he knows about dogs, he knows about trees, he knows about paint, and a lot more. Tim has lived in Nebraska his entire life and has been to Canada and other places. Let's get started. I recently had the opportunity to interview someone connected to my neighbors, Holly and Glenn, but this time we're headed to the other side of the sidewalk because I get to interview an actual neighbor, Mr. Tim Fitzsimmons. Real tongue twister, isn't it? Tim has yes. some of his old reels and has told me how he's experienced with river fishing and fishing for walleye, but I'm excited to get in more in-depth with him and learn about his fishing experiences. Welcome, Tim. Thanks for having me. How and where did you start fishing? I started fishing with my family when I was very young, probably three or four years old. We fished on vacations. We camped a lot. So when we camped at different places like Gavin's Point Dam or the Black Hills, we always incorporated fishing into wherever we went. So you've been living in Nebraska your entire life? Yes, I'm a native Nebraska. Where is that Gavin's Point Dam you were talking about? It's on the South Dakota border of Nebraska, northwest of Sioux City, Nebraska, right along the Missouri River. What kind of fish did you catch there? We usually caught a lot of drum and carp and other rough fish and catfish. But, you know, as an adult, I fished for uh, a lot of walleyes and saugers in the tail race, usually incidentally snagging some catfish and, and paddlefish along the way. So you've caught a paddlefish? Yes, but not on purpose. It's usually when we're jigging for walleyes down on the bottom or saugers on the bottom, they get hung up in your line and you accidentally foul hook them and snag them. Yeah, I've had them strip a lot of line off my reel and I've also boated a couple. I hear some people will snag paddlefish on purpose. Yeah, they, they do, because they like to eat them. They're like the texture of swordfish or shark, if you've ever had those before. Shark? Isn't that endangered yes. and toxic? Uh, no, they actually eat a lot of mako shark in Mexico, and it's a really common fish to catch. You know, certain, certain breeds of sharks are like a great white or something, but there's literally hundreds of types. There's bull sharks, there's makos, there's all different yeah. kinds of sharks. What do you mainly fish for? Now I usually fish for walleyes and saugers. And I also like to catch perch, crappies, probably those, those are probably the top of what I go for. A lot of times, incidentally, you know, uh, I'll catch small mouths and northerns and you know other fish but those are the fish i usually keep to eat where do you usually go to fish for those things i usually fish for those when i'm on trips and so i'll go to the glacial lakes that are in northeast south dakota and minnesota up around those areas you know i also take trips to canada i've been to alaska a couple times and mexico and I fished in literally all over the place. What did you fish for in Canada? Uh, in Canada, we catch a lot of walleyes. You catch a lot of walleyes there. You catch a lot of northern pike, lake trout, and arctic char on occasion. They're pretty rare. 
I bet there's a lot of fish caught up there because there's not a ton of fishing pressure on those flying. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. My dad used to book trips for a guy that owned five lodges in northern Canada, and so we used to get to go up there all the time, a couple times a summer. Uh, you could catch a hundred walleyes a day easily per person because you know, like you said. A lot of those lakes only get fished on by a few people a year. Yeah. So a lot of fish. Kind of hard to find those lakes around here. Yeah, it is. You know, it's funny. When I was younger, and I used to bass fish a lot. And all the best bass fishing places where I caught the biggest bass, like between seven and nine pounds, were all in farm ponds within probably a 25-mile drive around here. I've heard they exist, but I've never fished them. And what were you saying about nine-pound bass? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. You have to fish a lot of farm ponds, and you have to ask a lot of people for permission. I didn't have a boat when I was younger, so I was a bank fisherman. So I used to drive wherever I could drive to, and I'd find a farm pond and ask whoever owned it if I could fish in it. I usually used a plastic worm to see if it had any bass in it, so... So I kind of migrated away from fishing for largemouth bass when I was young to fishing for walleyes and perch and crappies mainly now. So, Can you tell me where some of these farm ponds are? I'm interested in <laughs> seven to nine pound bass. You know what? It's been a long time. I mean, some of them I haven't fished in for literally 20 years. But we actually have a few uh, big ponds down by the farm in Hamburg. I don't know what's in them. I know there's some big crappies in them because I've seen people catch them, but I've never fished in them. So So basically, you just go there and find a pond and ask who owns it and then ask the owner. Yep, yep. It's really not that hard to get permission. You know, we fished in one in Underwood, Iowa that was literally as big as your backyard. Maybe I'll have to try that sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is a really hard time to fish farm ponds from the bank because they get all choked full of weeds by 4th of July. So usually the biggest bass I've ever caught, I caught in the month of October, believe it or not. The first week of October. Nice. Off the head down there. The the weeds die off. Yeah, when the weeds die off, and then you can fish the banks easier. But I, I used to use what they call a belly boat which is like an inner tube that you can yeah. stand in. Yeah, I used to fish farm ponds with a belly boat. That's a good idea. Yeah, it was a really cheap way. Fishing without a boat, if you had waders and a belly boat, you can fish any farm pond. So they're nice to fish with. Hmm, maybe I should get a belly boat. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't priced one in many years, but they're a really inexpensive way to be able to fish off the bank. I'll just have to find a cheap one. Yeah, yeah. Well, make sure it's new because rubber does not age well. Yeah. (laughs) Over time, whether they're waders or belly boats, they're made out of rubber, they get real brittle, and you don't want to be in a belly boat that leaks. (laughs) Yeah. You told me you have experience fishing in rivers. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I fished a lot of the unchannelized portion of the Missouri River up above where Gavin's Point is, where it's not dammed as much. 
it's by Niobar, Nebraska, and upriver from there. So when you get up there, the river is very clear. You can see the bottom in like eight feet. And it's really weedy. It's full of sandbars. And we catch every fish you can think of, really. I've even caught an endangered sturgeon up there. Yeah. Was it like a shovel-nose sturgeon or a lake sturgeon? No, those aren't endangered, believe it or not. Those are actually, you can fish for them. The ones that we caught are little prehistoric ones that they're pink and they're about two feet long and they are an endangered species. And the one I caught had a tag in it. But yeah, you can catch everything up there. But mostly we fish for smallmouth bass and walleyes and saugers and catfish. But what's different on the river is you have to always orient your bait to the current. So fish always sit behind a current break. So you have to drop your bait upriver from them and let the current sweep it down to where they're hiding behind a log or a rock or whatever obstruction there is in the current. I've had hard experiences trying to river fish before. Why do you get snagged a lot? Well, Andy just don't catch fish. So yeah, when you're in the river, 90% of the fish are in 10% of the habitat. So if you're not fishing right where, like I said, on a current break or a current line, you won't catch fish because all the fish will be stacked up along those current breaks. The good news is when you do find those current breaks, you can catch a lot of fish in a very small spot. Hmm. I guess maybe just river fishing from the shore is tough. Yeah, that does make it harder, but a lot of the best current breaks are connected to the shore, like a log lane in the water or a rock pile or on the bank. One of the best walleye spots above the mouth of the Niobrara that I fish in is a rock pile where a farmer sucks his irrigation water out of the river. And we've caught probably a dozen walleyes between five and eight pounds on that rock pile. Wow. Yeah. What do you use for those? We usually use either spinner crawler rigs or a spinner leech rig. So the blade spins Uh and then the crawler dangles behind it. Yeah. They love those. I'm a member of a Nebraska Walleye Association. Oh, cool. And I've sort of learned about those. I didn't join because I fished for walleyes. I just bought also a fishing club. There you go. It's a good idea. Yeah. But I did learn how to tie a snail. Oh, great. Yeah, they actually make a little tool now that makes it a lot easier to tie a snell. Yeah, I bought them on Instagram. (laughs) I guess I did it the old-fashioned way. You probably did. Do you have some favorite fishing stories or experiences? I'll tell you, I do have a couple. When I was young, I used to go up to British Columbia and the state of Washington because I had a lot of relatives that live in Seattle. And we used to go fishing for steelhead trout during the winter in British Columbia. We catch salmon and steelhead trout in the rivers up in British Columbia. And steelhead trout can be like 30 pounds. So they're a big fish, but they live in very small rivers, like rivers as wide as your backyard. They're in the mountains. So we used to go fishing in their winter run, which is during the first week of March or the second week of March. You know, British Columbia is Rocky Mountains. They'd have snow all over the mountains. But in the bottoms, it's the Pacific Northwest. So it's 
pretty warm. It's like 40s and 50s and the river doesn't freeze up. But those are some really good memories of great fishing trips. Hopefully I'll get to go back sometime. I haven't been in about 20 years. Aren't steelheads just trout that spawn in freshwater but live in salt water? Yeah, they kind of look like a uh, like a rainbow. They kind of look like a great big rainbow trout, but they actually are a subspecies of themselves, yeah. Oh. There's all kinds of trout. You know, there's lake trout, which live in lakes, and there's arctic char, which are actually a really old species of a salmon and a trout, a mixture. And then there's all kinds of other freshwater trout. But yeah, what's unique about a steelhead is that they spawn just like a salmon does in freshwater, but they live in the ocean the rest of their lives. Oh, I thought it was the other way around. Yeah, yeah. So I'm all mixed up. I can't even remember what I thought. They're cool fish, though. Did you, like, fly fish for them or what? You can fly fish for them, but we were what they called meat fishermen because uh, my uncles that I fished with, we kept what we caught. And so they used what they call salmon bag balls. They're little bags, uh, like of salmon balls and then you bury a hook in the middle of the salmon balls you just let up the current float float them down the river so basically you just stick a hook in a wad of salmon eggs and yep let it sit there well actually you use a float and you cast it up river like of a rock where they would sit and then you let the current just kind of naturally drift it into their hole or drift it into their ambush spot there's like a creek and my uncle's backyard, and I have a hard time presenting baits naturally there. Yeah, yeah, because baits do one of two things. They either drift with the current, so you use a float to keep them up in the current, or they, they just roll along the bottom with the current. And some days, you know, fish like them up above their eye level, and some days they like them rolling on the bottom. Kind of depends on what it is that they're feeding on. Hmm. Do you have any other stories? You know, I'll tell you, those are probably my best memories of fishing. My earliest memories, because I I did it when I was in grade school, like your age. But just this past winter, I was ice fishing, and I actually had the best day of ice fishing I've ever had in my life. It was on a lake in South Dakota, the glacial lakes up in northeast South Dakota, and I caught a limit of 10 to 14 inch perch and a limit of walleyes all fishing out of the same holes on the same day. Wow. I literally had a bucket of fish at the end of the day. So, and the biggest perch I caught was the biggest perch I've ever caught in my life. How big is it? It was about 14 inches. I don't know how much it weighed, but I mean, I've caught literally thousands and thousands of perch in my life. And that was the biggest perch I've ever caught. And I caught 15 perch, which is your limit. And then I caught a limit of five walleyes, too, out of the same holes. Never moved all afternoon. That's pretty fun. It was a lot of fun, especially through the ice. Did you stop once you got your limit, or did you stay there? I culled a couple fish. When you're ice fishing, you put them in your bucket, and because it's so cold, the fish will stay alive and healthy. It's kind of like putting them in a live well 
we make like a little live well on the ice. But yeah, we always, right when you get uh, either your limit that you have or your limit that you kill, I also keep the fish that I kill because sometimes you foul hook them in the throat. But yeah, I, I have my limit. And it was 20 degrees outside, so you don't want to sit around 20 degree weather any longer than you have to. Yeah. <laughs> but I was in my shack, which is pretty toasty. I need to get one of those. I'll tell you, uh, that's the best money I ever spent was a heater and a shack. <laughs> it can be zero degrees outside. I've been fishing when it was 25 below zero in North Dakota in my shack with the heat on with no coat on, just in my t-shirt. Wow. That's not... Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it was a great investment. Hmm. Do you have any advice for me as a young fisherman? Well, if you like to catch fish and eat fish, which I really do, I love to eat fish as well. One of the most important things is keeping them fresh and alive. If you're not going to put them in a live well, don't put them on a stringer. What you should do is buy a cheap styrofoam cooler or get an old cooler if you have to, one that you could like bring with you and put some ice in it. And if you catch fish that you want to keep, Throw them on the ice in the cooler. They'll taste so much better. If you let them sit on a stringer, once they get rigor mortis, you never want to clean a fish that's dead because they taste awful. Because fish start decaying right away. So either keep them in a live well and keep them really alive and healthy or put them in a cooler and on ice right away. That's good advice. Yeah. Yep. And they'll stay on ice in a cooler for hours. Even if they melt, as long as they stay chilled, you can wait for hours. There's no big rush to clean them. You can clean them whenever you get around to it. So a lot of times I'll catch a limit of fish in South Dakota, and I won't even clean them until I get home because they're on ice the whole time. Wow. Yeah. Time for some rapid-fire questions. We All right. Braid or mono? Uh, it depends on the weight of the line that I'm using, but if I'm saltwater fishing or fishing horizontally through the ice, I'll use braid, but everything else I use mono or some version of mono. Spinning reels or bait casters? Once again, it depends on how I'm fishing and what I'm fishing for, but most of the time I use a bait caster. Me too. I fish vertically a lot, so... When I'm fishing vertically, whether it's for salmon in the open ocean or it's for walleyes in a river, I'm usually fishing with a lindy rig or something similar to it. So I always use a bait caster because you get more speed and power. Uh-huh. Favorite fish to eat? That's a hard one. I like to eat a lot of different kinds of fish. But freshwater species, my favorite fish is probably a walleye. And saltwater, almost a tie between tuna and salmon. Yeah, salmon's good. Yeah, I really like halibut too. But, you know, like I said, I like all kinds of fish. Do you have any special recipes you like to use? Kind of depends on the fish. But when I grew up, like I said, when we used to fish for salmon in the river, we used to fillet the tenderloin off their backs. And we'd keep a Ziploc with soy sauce. So I grew up eating sushi when I was really young, before anyone even 
even heard of sushi actually and we used to just dip those tenderloins of the salmons we just caught literally out of the river and flayed the back off them and then we'd dip them in the soy sauce and eat them raw actually that's my favorite way to eat tuna wow the heart of a tuna what you eat the tuna's heart no a tuna's got a really big thick tenderloin that runs down the length of their back and in the middle there's one part of that tenderloin that is what they call the heart of the tenderloin that's what they make sushi out of it's sushi grade tuna it's really tender and it's very good what does it taste like of the soy sauce um you know it has kind of a, a really unique texture and you know it's like what's an orange taste like it tastes like a tuna <laughs> just like an orange tastes like an orange it's hard to <laughs> describe but a tuna has got kind of a stronger fish flavor to it, which is what I like. So some people don't like that. I really like it. So does it flake when it's raw? Or? No, no. It's just a solid piece of pink meat, you know, pinkish red meat. It's 100% raw. It has a different texture. You know, it's not cooked. You know, when you cook fish is when it gets flaky, but I like to eat it raw. In fact, I even cook my fish, whether it's halibut or salmon, I always cook my fish medium rare. I don't like it when it's too cooked. Walleyes too. Hmm. I watched a video. Uh, it took place at this hibachi restaurant. And where oh, they yeah. cut up this fresh fish. Yep. And when it was cut up and they put it on a table, it started flopping and the lady screamed. <laughs> Well, my brother took me to a place about 20 years ago where they eat what they call sweet shrimp, and they're in a big aquarium right in front of you, and they take them out, they cut the tail off, and eat the tail while it's wiggling still. And then they tempura fry the heads, and then you eat the heads too. Hmm. Sweet shrimp, you can see through their whole body. They're kind of a different thing. And their tails taste sweet when you eat them raw. I like shrimp, but my dad's allergic. Oh, yeah. Don't have that at your house, then. <laughs> he probably doesn't eat a lot of fish. He can eat fish, just not shellfish. Shellfish, yeah. Right, it's the iodine he's probably allergic to. Biggest fish ever. Oh, the biggest fish I've ever caught? Okay, the biggest fish I ever got in the boat or the biggest fish I ever hooked? Both. Okay, the biggest fish I ever hooked was a killer whale that was as big as a boat. This is a fish story, but it's true. I had a salmon on the line. We're off the coast of British Columbia, and a killer whale came up and grabbed the salmon that I caught. So he didn't know he was hooked. He was just swimming around our boat because he was waiting for us to hook another salmon. But I actually had the killer whale on my line for about 10 minutes. That's the biggest one I ever caught, but the biggest one I actually got in the boat was a 175-pound halibut in Alaska. Wow, that's a big halibut. Yeah, it was not a lot of fun, to be honest with you. I hear they're pretty dangerous. The guy I interviewed recently, he was catching a 115-pound halibut, and the captain yep. of the boat almost got pulled overboard, so they had to grab yeah. him by his belt and hold on. Well, actually, what they do where I fished, there's a big thick wire that goes through the loop on your pole, 
and around the rail and through the fighting belt around your waist that you seat the pole in. So yeah, they'll they'll yank you right overboard. That's why they tie you to the deck rail so you can't go over. That's crazy. He said to get it on board, they had to shoot it with a shotgun. Yeah, some captains will do it that way, but if you hit a halibut right behind its two eyes with a club, that's where their brain is, and it knocks them out. I mean, you basically kill it by hitting them with a club. It's also a lot safer, but you do have to really hit it pretty hard. I saw at Bass Pro once, they sell these fish bat things. Yeah, they're called thumpers. At the time, I didn't know what they were for, and I was like, what's that? It looks like a nightstick, yeah, yeah, that police officers use, yeah. A regular fish is the same way. If you hit it between the eyes, mm-hmm. that will usually kill it right away. To me, it looked like a baseball bat. It looked like a tiny baseball yeah, bat. That's what they're for. A lot of times, those big fish, you got to kill them before you can bring them on board. They'll flop around on deck. They'll literally break people's legs. You know, a big tuna or even a big swordfish or something like that, they'll break your legs if you bring it on deck when they're alive. Largemouth or smallmouth bass? Smallmouth bass are way more fun to catch than largemouth. I have caught quite a few smallmouth in the river, and they're a blast to catch. Yeah. There's not too many places around here where you catch them, unfortunately. Neighbors with chickens or neighbors without chickens? Oh, definitely neighbors with chickens. (laughs) Especially when we get to eat their eggs. (laughs) That's good news for us. Yeah, that's right. All right, time for our last question. Okay. If you could go anywhere in the world, what would your dream catch be? Hmm, that's a hard one. I liked fishing in Alaska a lot. Um, but I would probably, if I could do one trip again, it would be to go back to British Columbia and fish for steelhead in the winter. Yeah, that sounds fun. It's beautiful. It's probably the prettiest places I've ever been. Thanks for coming on. Oh, anytime. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Catching Knowledge. Thanks to Tim for doing the interview. It was really fun and I learned a lot. In my interview with Tim, I told him I haven't had much luck with river fishing, but that's changed thanks to Pete Brigan and Sean Bartleson, who I interviewed previously. They took me out on the Mississippi River a few times, and I boated some nice fish. Thanks, Pete and Sean. That's all for this episode. See you next time on Catching Knowledge. (laughs) 